must have worked it all out. Worked all things out. You've worked it all out, Jesus. I'm putting my trust in you. You won't go back on your word. I will sing my way through all the way to everything you've said. I will sing my way through all the way to all your promises. I will sing my way through all the way to everything you've said. I will sing my Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the River 1030 service. Welcome to everyone watching online. We're just going to jump into worship. So if you're able, will you stand with me as we worship Jesus? At your name, the mountain
Welcome, everyone. You can go ahead and take a seat. So glad that you're here with us, whether you're here in person or with us online. We're so glad that you're here with us. And just real quick, I want us everyone to say hello to someone around us. But I have one rule. You can't do a wave or no hugs. You have to do something different, like the peace sign, some finger guns, some shakas, something like that. So just greet someone around you and give them this kind of like fanciful little gesture. Go ahead. someone dab too that would have been perfect good well we're so glad again that you're here with us uh and it's a special sunday this sunday because not only is it the super bowl sunday cheers anyone anyone excited who are you guys rooting for chiefs yeah chiefs that sounds like it no tom brady fans out there one one show all right so it looks like chiefs are gonna take it so not only is it Super Bowl Sunday, but today is the River Church's 14th birthday. Oh, some shouts. There we go. I know. We're very excited about it, uh, and we're so happy to be here in the South Bay and to be loving Jesus together. And together as a church, we are shifting our focus, and we're so excited about this uh, new central focal point that we're looking at is the art of following Jesus. We're looking at what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus today in 2021? What does it mean to follow Jesus in the chaos of this world? And we've been looking at uh, four core values of our church and different spiritual practices around each of those values. And so last week, James talked about the word and how the word and the scriptures are incorporated into our lives. And it was amazing. I loved it. And it's been so helpful. One of his encouragements that I took away was to read the scripture in chunks, to read it in big chunks, to get the context, the big motifs of it. And it's been so helpful to me. So this last week, I've been reading the scripture in larger chunks, uh, which is also just because I've fallen behind on my Bible in a year reading plan. So I had to read it in big chunks to catch up to where I should actually be. But it's been very helpful. And I very much would encourage that practice as well. And another tool that's been helpful for me is this brown little notebook that you guys uh, have been given in the past. If you don't have one, we have extra uh, copies on the table over there. You can go ahead and pick one up. Uh, if this is your third or fourth notebook, if somehow you've forgotten every week, we ask that you just, you know, chuck a little dollar maybe in that little brown box over there, something like that. Um, so this week, uh, we're going to have Bill bring the word. Uh, I'm going to invite Bill up. I'm going to pray for him. And he's speaking on worship and leaning us and our hearts into a posture of worship. And I got to hear it at the beach. And it's absolutely amazing. Uh, I'm excited to hear it again and learn and write down these notes in my little brown book. So let me pray for you, Bill, uh, and then you can take it away. Father, we believe that your spirit has been at work in Bill and preparing him and preparing us for this message. We ask that you would lead us and our hearts into a posture of worship uh, as we continue in worshiping you through listening uh, to your word spoken through Bill. So would you be with him uh, as he speaks and be with us as we listen. We know that you're here and present this morning. We say this all in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Luke, thank you, buddy. Appreciate it so much. Ah, oh, man, I love Luke. I love his spirit. 
And I love you all too, whether you're here right in these seats and always feel total freedom to move around and find the shade if you want. And uh, if you read my blurb, uh, I talked about the Mammoth ski guy. I was on a ski lift going up at Mammoth and uh, this big bearded, wild-eyed, crazy guy, you know, outdoorsman was so awesome. And, we started talking about how beautiful it was, and he began to say, man, this is my church, you know, looking at the trees and the snowpack and the mountains. And I'm like, yeah, but this, this is awesome. I'm kind of with you on that. This is beautiful. But uh, my church, you know, church is people. It's not uh, the trees. And I probed a little more, and then he began to say, man, man, this is what I worship. And I thought, wow, it, this is what I worship. And I'm thinking about who created the beauty that he was worshiping. And I don't know if you've ever been backpacking and you're out there and it's a little bit chilly, you know, but, but you decide you got to get clean. So you take a dip in a lake or a stream and now you're really cold. And so you're hunting for the sun and you find a big granite slab and you lay in the sun on that slab. And the thought can come into your mind that, you know, if I didn't know about Jesus, if for some reason I wasn't raised to understand who he was from the scriptures, I would look at the sun and I might think, that's my God. Because I am now so warm and the warmth gives me life and it causes all of these plants to grow. Today, we're going to have an experience to worship. And some of us are going to experience it with exaltation because, yes, today is the Super Bowl. And I am going to be rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs all the way. I love the Chiefs. I have since I was a little kid. But the deal is, is that all of us know how to worship because when we watch a sporting event and we've got our favorite team, we worship. I mean, we yell and we scream and we raise our hands and we punch the person next to us and we eat tons of food. If you've ever been to a concert, right? I mean, if you've been to a Mumford & Sons concert, which I have many times, you know how to worship. I mean, people, their bodies are moving. They're singing at the top of their lungs and they're jumping up and down. We know how to worship. It's built into us. We can't help but worship. So in the art of following Jesus, we're learning how to love God, we're learning how to enjoy people, we're learning how to... Thank you, sir. Thank you for your good work. I appreciate it. We're learning how to play our part, and we're learning how to share the story. And we've decided on three practices of Jesus that we can learn from in each of those three, and we've been now in love. And Todd talked on prayer, James, on the scripture, and this morning we talk about worship. And so when we're learning how to love God, when we're learning how to follow in the words and ways of Jesus, there's these three big ideas that we think are really important to develop as a disciple and follower of Jesus. And that is prayer and scripture and worship. Now, I want to read to you a quote from a wonderful book I read. The title of the book is awesome. It's called You Are What You Love, and it's by James K.A. Smith. Now, this is the time of the sermon when someone reads a quote 
and our minds go numb and we stop listening. And that's okay. I'm going to encourage you, stay with me because I think this is such a brilliant, interesting idea that Smith is giving us. Now, those of you at home, online, I know this might be the time when you get up and use the bathroom or get another cup of coffee. That's okay. But then you'll have to hit rewind because I want you to hear this quote. This is what James K.A. Smith says in the preface to You Are What You Love. Get this. Worship is the imagination station that incubates our loves and longings so that our cultural endeavors are indexed toward God and his kingdom. An imagination station. That's what worship is. If you are passionate about seeking justice, renewing culture, and taking up your vocation to unfurl all of creation's potential, you need to invest in the formation of your imagination. You need to curate your heart, he says. You need to worship well. Isn't that beautiful? And then he ends with these three statements. Because you are what you love. And you worship what you love. And you might not love what you think. And that's got me really thinking deeply about what I love. Because I worship that. What I love is what I become. And then later he says, discipleship, we might say, is a way to curate your heart, to be attentive to and intentional about what you love. We call that the art of following Jesus. We're trying to follow Jesus and love what he loved. And he's a wonderful, gentle, prodding teacher for us. So you remember last week, James says that Jesus saturated his life in the Psalms. Jesus' words and his ways grow out of his sense of his identity and mission by just saturating himself in those ancient texts. And for the last year, I have found my heart and my soul and my hope in the Psalms by reading huge sections of them over and over. And here's this psalm that caught my attention this week. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. Jesus read that. Jesus marinated in that. Jesus taught that. And Jesus practiced that. For all the gods of the nations are idols. It is possible for our loves to actually be idols. But the Lord made the heavens. And I have so enjoyed worshiping outside. I don't know if I ever want to go inside again. <laughs> yes, I came from the beach. Oh, it's so beautiful. And look at this. Look at this. This is the heavens. The Lord made the heavens for all the gods of the nations are idols splendor and majesty are before him strength and glory are in his sanctuary 
This is his sanctuary, our creator God. So let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound in all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord. And so I say, when we are astounded by the creation, we don't worship it. It is not our God. The heavens declare the glory of God. They point us to Jesus and to God. And you remember last week when James was saying that Jesus' default position was to go to the scriptures. When he was in a moment of tension, went to the scriptures because he'd saturated his life in them. And there's that place where he was in the wilderness and the devil was tempting him. And he went right to the scriptures. And this is what he said. Jesus said to him, Satan, away from me, Satan, for it is written, the scriptures, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. That's how Jesus shaped and formed his life. Today, when we look at Jesus' words and his ways, we're going to talk about worship. And we're going to talk about his words has to do with a posture of worship, and his ways will push us toward a practice of worship. So our posture in worship, what, what should be our posture in worship? And here we turn to John 4, and we listen to Jesus' words, this conversation he had with a woman a Samaritan woman at a well. And it's a beautiful conversation because Jesus, a man, a rabbi, in the middle of the day with a woman, a Samaritan woman, and he asks her for some water. And we have this beautiful exchange and conversation where they go back and forth. And I imagine there was a bit of humor, but there was also a tinge of real seriousness here. And this woman in John 4 is continually trying to stay a bit of distance from the penetrating eyes and knowledge and love of this man whom she does not know. So in John chapter 4 and verse 19, the woman says, Sir, uh, I can see that you are a prophet. But now she deflects. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain in Samaria. But you Jews, you claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. All of a sudden here we have the beginning of worship wars. You know, we've had that in the church for so long, where there's these opinions and there's these feelings about worship. And I'm old enough to remember when drums were not allowed in the church. And when some worship leaders tried to introduce drums into church, because before then all we had was organs and the piano. Great hymns of the church. The organ can be beautiful if it's played well on key and those sort of things. It can be, it can be awesome. But then drums came into the church. It was as if you were inviting the devil into the church with drums. And oh my goodness, Eric, a bass guitar? 
Do you know what that leads to when that heavy beat gets inside of you? Worship wars. People left, people left the church over, over styles of worship. And here it is, this woman saying, we worship in Samaria on the mountain, you worship on the mountain in Jerusalem. And notice what Jesus says to her. Woman, it's affectionate. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain in Samaria nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come. It's come in Jesus. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. What Jesus is trying to get at with this woman is that worship is not necessarily a place or a style, but worship comes out of your heart. The Holy Spirit who indwells us, empowers us, inspires us, and the Word of God informs us, and out of our heart comes worship. He's not talking about the externals. The externals can be important. But the heart is vital. Worship that comes from the heart. And Jesus battled with religious people all the time who focused on externals. But their heart was far from God. In fact, in one argument with these religious leaders, Jesus quoted from Isaiah 29. These people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. It is possible to have an external form of worship with our heart far away from God. What God is after as we are followers of Jesus, following into his footsteps, is the condition of our heart. I have been raised in a pastor's family. I am a pastor. Uh, in one sense, I'm wired and paid to critique. How can we make this better? How, how can the river uh, be more in alignment with kingdom values? But then, you know, how can our worship gatherings be better? And I, I have learned how to be uh, a critique who easily stands on the outside watching what's happening on the inside. And I read this text and I hear Jesus and I, I know I am prone to being the person who while worship is, in ha is happening, I'm evaluating. My heart is not with God. And so in this last year, I've really been challenged to not stand on the outside and look in, but to keep asking myself the question, Bill, are you inside? Have you stepped inside of worship? Is this ministering to you? Is your heart soft for God? Are you being mindful? Not thinking about anything else, but focusing on 
the moment at hand, the worship, the community, what God is saying through the scriptures, actually taking my notebook and writing something down that is not a critique that we're going to talk about on Tuesday. That's really begun to, to change me because I know that this is, a, this is a, a formation of my character that is going to be hard to break. But it's so important. Psalm 42, 1 says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. That's what I so long for in my own life. That I would just long for God. That I would have a heart that just wants to be near him. Just like that deer who is so thirsty finally comes across a stream and drinks. And that water brings life to that deer. I can remember one time sitting beneath Half Dome at Yosemite. Early morning, I had a fire going, my coffee. My wife was still asleep in the tent. It was first thing, and I was wrestling and praying with God. I was trying to discern whether I should leave my position at my last church. There was so much pain in my heart. I loved this place. It's where I received my call to ministry, but I just felt like Things weren't right. My soul wasn't right. This was eating my soul out from the inside and just praying before God and wondering and having sought much counsel. I looked at Half Dome and my heart, my mind, my body was overwhelmed with love for the Creator. It was so beautiful. And it was in that moment, it was as if God said to me, it's okay, you can leave. Your time is done. I can remember just weeping and weeping. And there was some connection with the heavens declaring the glory of God and me just pouring out my heart to God. And in that beauty, he spoke to me and gave me the answer of affirmation. Jesus said, if you even give a cup of cold water to the least of you, if you've been on any kind of mission trip to a developing country and you've been with children, they just melt your heart and you give a cup of cold water and you look into the face of that little child and you're seeing the face of Jesus and you, you worship in that moment. When you reach out and you help someone, and just so you know, the River Church is providing meals for those frontline healthcare workers that are in our midst. And we're so appreciative. When we do that, we are worshiping God when we care for people and offer them help. But Jesus said, you know, beware though, because there are some who fast. A wonderful discipline, but they're fasting because they want other people to see, you know, how spiritual they are. Or the people that give money and they want to make sure that everybody knows the generosity that they're having. Jesus says, beware of that because that's not worship. That's worship in vain. Those are vain rules because it has to come from our heart. In a few moments, you're going to hear from Caitlin Gepner. And I just love Caitlin. I love her heart. She works with us. A lot of you don't know what she does, but 
Basically, Caitlin runs everything at the river. She and Debbie, they make everything happen. And we're so appreciative of them. And Caitlin, yeah, yeah, come on. And Caitlin is the one who did the podcast for this particular topic of worship. And it is so good. It's eight minutes long. You can listen to it on a quick commute. I so encourage you to listen to it. And Caitlin also wrote the worksheet on worship. And it is just really good. And so I, I decided I needed to, um, to, say, to quote Caitlin. I think this is the first time Caitlin's probably ever been quoted in a sermon before. But I want to get it on permanent record because this will never go away, Caitlin. It lives on the internet forever. This is what Caitlin said. The internal relationship between the spirit living in us and the word working through us creates in us a heart that can take the posture of true worship anywhere, not just in one place. That is so beautiful and that's so true to the heart of Jesus. And so as he's wrestling with this woman, she's wondering about the Messiah when he's going to come. And Jesus says to her in verse 26, I, the one speaking to you, am he. What Jesus wanted in his relationship with this woman was for her not to worry about the place and the ritual and the form and the tradition. She wanted, he wanted her to get to him. To have a soft heart. That's the posture of worship in spirit and truth. Our hearts open to Jesus. But there's a practice of worship as well. Jesus had a practice. And so we've looked at the posture, his words. Now we'll look at his ways, the practice that we can follow. And I take you to the Garden of Gethsemane hours before Jesus was to be arrested and then executed. This is where his mission had led him, and it was an incredibly difficult, difficult time. There was great fear. And in Matthew 26, Jesus takes his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he often went to pray. And it's just outside of downtown Jerusalem. And it says that Jesus left his disciples, said, you stay here and pray with me. And then he went off by himself a few uh, feet further. And it says that he put his face to the ground and cried out to God. Have you ever prayed with your face to the ground? It's usually in a moment of total desperation because we know there's nowhere else to go. And we just prostrate ourselves before God and we cry out. And our hearts are open and we're just begging God for mercy and for help and for presence. And Jesus is face down on the ground in the garden. You know, that's a posture of humility. Actually, it's a posture of surrender. Because that's really the practice of worship. It is surrender at its heart. And Jesus said this in verse 39, My Father, oh my Father, 
If it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. He knew the cup was bitter. He knew the cup would bring a horrific end to his life. And he knew it was the pathway to God's plan to bring redemption to all humanity. God, if there's any other way, Father, if there's another way. And then he says this, yet, not as I will, but as you will. For Jesus, this was a peer-to-peer moment. You know, we talk about these three, these three levels. You know, the quick dip, uh, the buoy swim, and then the peer-to-peer, Hermosa to the Manhattan Beach Pier. Th- this was definitely a peer-to-peer moment for Jesus. Not my will, but yours. That's worship. The posture in spirit and in truth is taken into practice. And so the key question that I've often asked teenagers over the course of my 30-plus years as a youth pastor working with adolescents is when they're, when they're wrestling with a problem, when, when, they, when they have a decision to make, when they have drama in their lives or someone has hurt them, I ask the question, will you trust God with and then fill in the blank? Now, the river's 14 years old, so we're all teenagers. So it's an appropriate question for all of us. Will you trust God with blank? And as we trust God, we're surrendering our life to him and his will, saying, no, not my will, but your will be done. That's worship. Worship is surrender and it's trust. Isaiah 26 says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself is the rock eternal. Following in the words and ways of Jesus is learning to trust him. That's worship. The practice of worship is is surrender. And this takes practice. It takes a lot of practice. I remember with my wife going to the North Shore and watching the Pipeline Masters. Amazing, 10, 15-foot waves. And, you know, if you serve, you know, watching these contests, the beginning of the heat, the announcer says, okay, the next two can go out into the lineup. And so they paddle out. Well, the Pipeline, there's this amazing current that's going down the shore. And so you start to paddle out and you watch the surfer just go way, way down. they got to work hard to finally get around and to come back up into the lineup. And Kelly Slater's turn came, and I saw his competition go out into the water and start paddling. And Kelly was nowhere. I looked. He's in the tent, and he's slowly putting his colored jersey on, a little more wax on his board, just taking his time. And... And then just before the heat's going to begin, Kelly jogs down to the water and jumps in and paddles straight out to the lineup, right through that current, and then just smoked the heat. I was just amazing. You know, pros make these things look easy, and they're not. We would die a pipeline. We would never get to the lineup at Pipeline. And yet somehow 
we hear about prayer and about scripture and about worship and we think, okay, so I should be good at this now. No, it's okay for us to take baby steps and it takes practice. We are cultivating a heart of worship at the River Church. And Psalm 1 says there's trees planted by streams of water and they never stop bearing fruit. And I want to invite up here two trees, Caitlin and Amanda. And I, I want them to just have a little conversation about worship. And um, explore this idea of, is this worship or is it something more? So thanks, you guys. Caitlin, thank you. Amanda, thank you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk away. Turn my mic off. If you don't turn his mic off, we'll have a really loud sound, but uh, it makes, makes us all awake, so it's not the worst thing in the world. Do you want to come down here or stay here? Be with the people yeah. down here? Okay. So I'm just floored by Caitlin's ability to worship and her heart for worship, her heart for Jesus. And so when Bill asked me to just come up here and ask her more about her podcast, I said, a resounding, excited yes, because I'm excited for you guys to hear her heart. So, Caitlin, will you just share more about your journey in worship and a little bit of what you touched on in the podcast? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think for a lot of us, before hearing Bill's inspiring message this morning, when we think of worship, we probably picture a church service like this, singing arms extended and um that's absolutely worship and i love encountering god that way um and when i was a teenager i attended a church that incorporated hip-hop music and dance into their worship <laughs> exactly <laughs> i'm a really good dancer so. uh, yes um and being someone who loves hip-hop music and who loves to dance i was just in complete awe that god had given us something like that where I connect with that so deeply and I could actually worship and connect with him through that as well. Um, and for a really long time, I just saw song and dance as the only expressions of worship. Um, but as I really spent time working on the worship worksheet and podcast and focused in on true worship being an outward expression of what's happening with the Lord internally, I started realizing that what flows out of that could look really different for everyone and that it could happen anywhere, not just here on Sunday morning. And so while I have been um, learning more about who God is through prayer with him and, and being in the scriptures, I've learned that my expression of worship has just grown so much and it's deepened so much from that. Um, and as I love worshiping in community, and I really believe in the importance of that, I also love worshiping alone uh, while I'm on walks or painting and in my car. And I feel like I encounter the power of God just as powerful, powerfully in those ways as well. So what I've been really thinking about recently is what does worship look like in the day-to-day -day for me, even outside of here and beyond singing and dancing? And are you still thinking about that, or do you want to share a little bit about that? Um, I, I've just been figuring out what 
it looks like because as we heard Bill saying, worship could also be the way that you speak to and treat people. Um, and worship could be the act of giving someone a glass of water. Worship can happen when you're reading the word. So it's just really expanded my um, definition of what worship is. I love that. And she said definition, and that makes me think about what I did because I Googled. We don't have, like, actual dictionaries anymore because we have the Internet, but I Googled the dictionary uh, what is it called? The uh, definition of worship. And I'm like, my dad's a wordsmith, so he kind of passed that on to me a little bit. So I kind of just like to know, even though we know what worship is through the Bible, I was like, what, is, what does Webster say about worship? And I got that it was a noun and a verb. And the noun is to, is extravagant respect or admiration for or devotion to. And the verb, which I was thought that was so cool that Worship is a verb. It's like an action that we do. And it said to show reverence and adoration for. And as she's sharing about her history and, you know, learning worship through dance, I was reminded of just growing up personally expressing worship on the piano for hours. I would just sit and pray and process. And that was just, you know, of course, that's what I do. I, I do music. So worship to me happened to be on the piano, but it wasn't just singing the worship songs in front of me. It was literally just pouring out my heart to God and, and, and praising him and processing the hard stuff and the good stuff. And, you know, you think about these really strong, intense words like devotion, extravagant devotion, admiration, adoration. You're like, what would compel you? Like, what would spark the flame of love in your heart to be able to adore this, you know, God that we haven't actually met in plain sight? And when I was 17, just a quick, quick story. I shared this with some friends on Tuesday night for the first, some new friends for the first time, but I watched The Passion of the Christ. And I always knew that Christianity was, you know, like, you, you do good things. God loves you. It's, it's like a it's like a transactional, well, it wasn't even a transactional thing. It was just like, I'm just going to do good things because that's the Christian life. And I saw the passion of the Christ, and I was so compelled by the love of God for me. I just didn't know until I saw that movie. And, of course, I was still learning how to spend time with Jesus, so I went back to the theater, count it, guys, four times to watch that movie. Because <laughs> in my head, that was the only way that I could spend time with Jesus. But it wasn't because it was like great cinematography and a story that I never heard. It was because the love of God was so... It was it's coming after me. It was pursuing me in a way that I'd never felt before. And so landing the plane, you hear preachers say land the plane a lot, and then they say like three more points. <laughs> River pastors don't do that, though. You guys are really good at landing the plane. But this is the last thing, is that I truly believe that worship is a response to the love of God. We can't just figure these, you know, make these emotions, make these adoring feelings come to the Lord. We do it in response to his adoration, his love for us. And we're actually going to be singing a song at the end of the set that I didn't plan because of this moment, but it's cool that it worked out that way, called Extravagant. And it's all about the extravagant love of God for us. And it's as we receive that love, we're able to worship him because it's a response to his love. So whether it's hip-hop dancing painting, walking, worshiping, we can do it throughout the day. So I'm going to, first of all, let's give Caitlin a round of applause because this girl is amazing. I've loved getting to know her. We're going to invite James up, and he is going to lead us in this response time, and we're going to have Godwin come up too, cute little Rua. You guys look back there. Look at that angel baby Rua. She's so cute. And Rachel, also an angel baby, but she's a little bit older. All right, thanks, James. Well, I'm going to land this plane, which is like 45 <laughs> minutes.
No, not at all. It's so remarkable when you hear a message from someone that it's not a moment of inspiration or like great um, research, which Bill is both inspiring and a great researcher, but when it's out of his life. And then hearing from Amanda and Caitlin about something that is pouring out of their life. And and so our our hope for this little space of time we're about to have here is that we can consider, reflect, and think about whether you're at home or you are here um, looking at this gorgeous backdrop of, of the hills and the hawks. Wherever you are, we want to invite you to consider how can you let what you heard today, let it off the leash and let it run around in your life this week? How can we kind of bring it in, coax it in to those places in our life in practical ways and really tangible ways? And also maybe for some of you in more like commitment ways or, or um, uh, spiritual sort of openness. And, and so the piece I wrote down so much, I was like Mark Twain back there describing away. And what, what Bill mentioned, that question, God, I will trust you with dot, dot, dot. I mean, what greater act of worship could there be than to hand the Lord something in your life, your schedule, your struggles, your past, your hopes for the future, something that maybe your fist has been sort of clenched around. And maybe you never even noticed it, but you're like, this part is kind of my world. I'm the God of this thing and I will control it and I will hold it. And maybe this morning God's tapping you on the shoulder and saying, do you really want to worship me? Then fall down on your face on that issue. Open your hand and give that to me. And I don't know what that's going to be for you. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's the lack of a relationship that you're waiting, saying, Lord, where is that person? And God says, open up your hand and let me have that for a little bit. Maybe it's uh, a pain that you, you're holding, that, um, a, a broken piece of your life that you feel like I just that is just too far gone. So I'm going to sweep that into the corner of my life and go about trying to hobble and make things work. And God says, I want you to give that to me. Do you want to worship me? Open that up to me. Maybe it's something silly, something big. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's uh, a sense of fulfillment. Maybe it's anxiety, physical maladies, whatever it is. Like maybe this week God is tapping you and saying, open up, unclench those, those fingers and let me have that and worship me in that. And so maybe some of you, that's your time. God says, I want you up 30 minutes earlier this week. Maybe that's for you. And, and, and you open up and say, here I am, God. So whatever it is, we want to encourage you. Uh, again, if you have your little notebook, you could journal in this. If you just want to sit and be quiet, if you write in some other fashion, that's fine. But just kind of ask the Lord, Lord, what is it this week and this month and whatever that, God, I can maybe open up to you on? And um, so we'll have some music playing for a little bit. And then when the worship swells in, you'll know that it's time to worship some more. So let's do it.
worship you in spirit and truth. Jesus, we know that we can't worship without feeling that love from you first, without feeling your devotion to us. We respond in worship this morning. Lord, would you move our hearts closer to your love?
each day each small moment that we experience Lord it's your love so would you open our eyes to that this week even in the midst of any chaos or trouble in our weeks Lord would you let us teach us how to see the goodness in the land of the living as the verse says we would have lost hope had we not seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living so Lord let us see your goodness this week let us experience your goodness and out of that place, may we worship you in spirit and truth this week. Thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Well, we didn't we didn't talk about prayer today, but if you need prayer, just come up here and I'll pray for you. Or Bill will pray for you. We'll make sure you get some prayer. So if you need prayer, we usually have it back there, but come find us. We'll pray for you. And I just pray that you guys really meet with the Lord this week. You know, worship is a passion of mine. So this is a very happy Sunday for me to just dive into worship. But I do pray that you would experience him this week and whatever that looks like and that you would just have a great week and that you'd go home and eat lots of nachos and what do we do? Chicken nuggets and what's Super Bowl food? I don't know. Any, whatever you want to eat, go eat Super Bowl food. Go cheers for whatever team you want. And we'll see you, if not this week on Sunday. And thanks online crew for joining us. We love you guys. Have a great day.